0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers show is brought to you by betonline.ag. They'll take care of all of your gambling needs, a lot of NFL futures to wager on. If you want to place a bet on any of the sports action, betonline.ag is the place to do it. Use our promo code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can see that on your screen right now to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Bet online where the game starts. Welcome into the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined by a very special guest today. He is a writer for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. He is also the host of the Locked on Steelers podcast. Very excited to welcome in Chris Carter. Chris. I believe this is your very first show since you got engaged. So, congrats to you! Thank you for coming on here as a guest of the Believe in Steelers show this morning.
0: Well, thanks for having me, Mark. I was glad I was glad to have you on Locked On last year. So glad we could do this up. You do a great job with you and Ike on this channel. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Training camp gets underway this week, Chris. Yes. And where I want to start is this. And I'm going to leave this very open ended, and we'll go to specific players, specific positions. What's the biggest storyline for you for the Steelers heading into training camp?
0: Um, So it's funny. I've, I've been thinking about this a lot because I think it's a combination of you want these rookies to really come off strong. Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton at the top of that. But I'd also say that the biggest story is still Kenny Pickett. And it's not because last year it was just. What will Kenny Pickett look like? Will he be able to stand up? Will he be able to do anything? Will he be the first string, second string, third string, whatever? This year, we kind of had more of a sense. And now it's more like, all right, how good will Kenny Pickett look? compared to last year how much smoother will he be how much more advanced will he be in his in his progressions how will he look when the Steelers are when you're seeing the Steelers work with their with their receivers and much more in sync and, and how much will that pay off going into the season there are those out there that think that Kenny Pickett won't do anything I think that Kenny Pickett will just kind of look like how he did as a rookie and that'll be it but then there are those out there who think that the, he's on the he's on the, the edge of being something special and all he has to kind of do is kind of lock in build chemistry with his with his receivers and get there. I'm more on the side of the ladder. I covered him in college when he played at the University of Pittsburgh. I saw hit all the work that he put in. I talked to a source of mine that was close to the team that told me how even last year, while he was the backup quarterback and he was trying to figure out ways to get reps to understand what's going on with the first team, he would come to the facility before practice and he would he, he would privately just go over the, the place sheet they were working on as if he was on the first team. And then he would go to, to, to workouts and then warm ups, And then the actual practice that everyone else is doing. Kenny Pickett is a worker and I think he's put in a ton of work. He's famously, he only took like a, like two weeks off this entire off season, one week after the season was over. And then another week when he was, when he was met, when he was getting married and That's kind of where he's at. Now, the question is, how will that work pay off? We'll find out as they report to camp on Wednesday. Chris, what I wanted to ask you, when you were covering Pickett in college,
1: what was it with the jump in production that you saw in his final college season compared to his previous seasons as the Pittsburgh quarterback? Like, What was it in the jump in production that you saw on the field as a player that led to him having a terrific final year at Pitt. And then that leading to, hey, I'm going to be a
0: first round draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Truly, Mark, I always think thought it was this. I thought it was because his receiving core finally delivered. And for those who don't know what Mark's talking about, Kenny Pickett in his in his three years leading up to his last season at Pitt had 12 touchdowns and six interceptions, then back-to-back years of 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Shout out to all the Pitt fans out there who love 13 and <laughs> nine jokes. Um, but in his last year, that went up to 42 touchdowns and just seven interceptions that broke Deshaun Watson's ACC touchdown record. And it did surprise a lot of people. But the biggest difference. I don't think it was as much Kenny Pickett. He was sharper that year. But the biggest difference was Pitt's receiving core took a huge boost with with Jordan Addison stepping up that year. If you go back and you look at 2020 and the season records and look at like pro football focus, I still believe Pitt had the most drops of any receiving core in college football in 2020. They switched uh, receivers coaches and uh, that led to some success because the steep receivers became more consistent. Even guys like Tacey Mack, who were more of a second and third receiver, Jerry. Winning guys like that they were more consistent and with Jordan Addison leading the way Kenny Pickett just exploded he had a lot of talent with him and I think it was just he had better options to take advantage of what he was seeing on the field Kenny Pickett was a warrior even when he was getting those 13 touchdown nine interceptions years where he was he was having to force a lot more passes because there were plenty of touchdowns dropped I covered the 2020 season during the COVID year there were about I'd say at least three games that they lost that they could have won had their receivers just caught the ball more more consistently. And we're not talking about winning combat catches. I mean, wide open, Kenny Pickett read the defense, and it was just a simple drop. And it was like, man, that's rough. But in 2021, it still happened a little bit, but it happened nearly as much. And I think you just saw the explosion of his numbers because of the wide receiver group's success. And Kenny Pickett, beyond all else. He is a leader, but beyond his talent, beyond everything else. And one thing that happened, they lost to, I think it was Western Michigan in like week three of the season or week four of the season. And there was just all sorts of despair. Everyone's like, well, this isn't going to be a special year. Pitt's still, you know, average and isn't going to do anything. And then Kenny Pickett and DeMar Hamlin, by the way, as as a group, they called a team meeting and they said, this will not happen again this year and they then went on a tear it brought focus to the team they were able to uh, push forward they uh and they ended up getting uh, they ended. They ended up winning the ACC that year in the ACC championship. Also, I misspoke. Demar Hamlin did it with him the year before in 2020 when they kind of needed to rally from other point. But Kenny Pickett was the leading force uh, in in the 2021 year. That leadership cultivated a culture that is still permeating at Pitt. They won nine games last year. They hadn't won nine games in 2021 since like the 80s. So, wow. Kenny Pickett did a lot of does a lot of things special for did a lot of things special for it. and I, Pitt and I think he'll do a lot of things special for the Steelers. There's more than meets the eye with Pickett from his collegiate production than just the
1: fake slide for any of the casual (laughs) viewers of the Believe It Steelers show here. For me with Pickett, it's so much his development as how that ties with Matt Canada in year three as the Steelers' offensive coordinator now in the final year of his deal with the Steelers. So I'm already on record saying this. If the Steelers' offense sputters at all this season – He's going to be the inevitable scapegoat. And it's as simple yeah. as his contract runs out and you restart, renew in 2024. But I guess the glass half full perspective for me would be this in keeping Canada. Pickett likes Canada. He's on record as saying that. Mm-hmm. And it to me, it's like, remember, and, and, and he helped recruit Pickett to Pitt back in the day as well. If we want to go through history. And I also think about it from the standpoint of when young quarterbacks struggle in the NFL, it's the lack of continuity with coaching, whether that's offense coordinators, whether that's with head coaches and had the Steelers brought in a brilliant young offensive mind or a brilliant offensive mind. And I know Byron left, which was a coordinator that was out there this offseason. I know there were rumors of Frank Reich is out there. Here was the issue. If the Steelers had brought in someone else to replace Matt Canada, and that coordinator had success with Pickett in year two, what's to say the Steelers wouldn't be restarting that same process all over again next offseason because Mike Tomlin is a defensive coach? And so this to me would be the glass half-full perspective in, in retaining Matt Canada and retaining the continuity, the offense, the terminology. And building on that and building in confidence in a young quarterback, that's the glass half full perspective. That being said, Chris, the baseline has to be where you ended last season for the start of this season. There can't be a regression of what we saw in the first half of the 2022 season of, Oh, well, that's where we're starting this year because you bring in new blood, you bring in even more young talent and on paper, the sum has to equal
0: its parts. No, I agree. You you can't you you cannot go backwards this year. I, I even think for for Matt Canada, this isn't even about as much uh, him him trying to keep this you know him, take a little bit of a step. I think the Steelers need to get to the middle of the pack of the NFL. This is still a defensively led team. You're absolutely right. Like this is a team that needs to be a top five defense, and they're going to lead the way to a lot of the wins. But the offense does have to do more. Last year, they averaged about 18 points per game. It was good for t- for 26th in the NFL. They need to get to the middle of the pack. We're talking 16, 15, 14 for this team to be truly competitive if the defense delivers in the way that that, that we all expect. But here's the thing. It is not that high of a jump. To get in points per game to get there, because the sixteenth, uh, the, the the teams that ranked sixteenth, fifteenth, and fourteenth all scored about twenty one points per game. Mm. And if we even rounded up to the Packers that they, they ranked fourteenth last year in points per game with twenty one point eight, let's round that up to twenty two points. We're talking about the difference of per game making one field goal drive a touchdown drive. The Steelers were ranked twenty first, mm-hmm. and I've talked a lot, I've talked about this a lot on lockdown Steelers, but the Steelers ranked twenty first in red zone, I think it was 21st or 22nd in red zone efficiency. They need to they need to, to jump that up by a lot because you go back and all the time they failed um uh, in the red zone they were great inside the 20s and then they would just stall in in the red zone. And if they can just turn one of those normal field goal drives because they would have quite a few. They would about three or four times. They they get out there down there a game and then just stalling would happen. They couldn't run the ball consistently enough consistently enough early in the season. Kenny Pickett would make some mistakes or some guys would not you know be in the same page. That's where I think one of the biggest things of training camp is going to be watching that seven shots drill. Now, for those who don't go to Steelers training camp, don't know about seven shots. Basically, it's a drill where after everyone's done their stretching and their positional warmups, they all meet at the two yard line in front of a goal line and the offense gets seven shots to get into the end zone uh, and break the, and break that two yard play. And the defense has to defend it. And last year, the defense owned the, the, the seven shots. It was pre- it was pretty nasty. But this year. The offense wants at least to get more of a say in in in, uh, in who wins seven shots. And that'll be – that was a drill that the Steelers have, been, have done for years to improve their red zone efficiency. It really helped in the mid to late 2010s when Ben Roethlisberger helped the uh, – kind of saw the Steelers' uh, offense, uh, red zone offense increase. So this will be a big part of it is getting those numbers up. And if they do that, if they get to, say, like, like 14 or 13 as far as ranking, as far as scoring offense in the NFL – I'm not sure it saves Matt Canada's job, but it makes it a tougher call because then you're mm. also again, resetting the clock after this season, when Kenny Pickett's showing progress, I think the only way that Matt Canada could be a short of a job next, next year with the Pittsburgh Steelers is if he gets in the top 10 in offense, which that would be a tall task. That'd be a really big jump. That'd be jumping up to about 24 points per game or so. And now we're talking about basically two extra field goals per game or a touchdown a- a- added on. So, I'm not sure if that'll happen, but he's definitely going to be the scapegoat if things go bad. Um, But I think the Steelers, they're in a position to kind of make incremental success happen to the point where I think that they can be in the middle part of the league. And that's why I think they can actually be a playoff team this year.
1: Yeah, that's terrific analysis there, Chris. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned the seven shots drill. When you get in the red zone, the windows just get a little bit tighter Mm -hmm. to where Mm -hmm. you don't have quite the real estate to work with. And that's a perfect transition because you mentioned the running game. Najee Harris entering year three still has yet to have a season where he's averaged more than four yards per carry. And so I look at it from this standpoint too. I think going into last year, his foot injury was worse than he or the Steelers led on publicly. And so if you look at the front half of the year compared to the back half of the year, after the bye week he was almost a full yard per carry better than he was in the front half of the season. Now, he has to, like, for me, it's like the two measures of success if he wants to get paid in a few years, because Steelers have two more years left on his rookie deal, and then a fifth-year option, if they want to pick that up, would be this. Play in all 17 regular season games and then surpass that four-yard per carry mark, because the reason you spend a first-round pick on Najee Harris a few seasons back is when you were dead last in the league in rushing, but you've been in the bottom five in the NFL and rushing now for like the past five, six seasons. Steelers haven't even been formidable in this facet of offense since Le'Veon Bell. And so if you want to help out Kenny Pickett, what better way to do that to establish the running game? And with Najee Harris specifically, I get that he's not going to be a speed demon, but every now and then they're going to need him to rip off a 40 or 50 yard run. I believe he doesn't have a, a carry in the NFL beyond 40 yards. If I'm not mistaken, And I know for a fact he didn't in the 2022 season. What better way to help out your rushing average is to say, Hey, put your foot in the ground and run North and South. I think he did that on the back half of last season, but on the front half, he was dancing a little bit too much. Again, I thought he probably was injured and didn't mm-hmm. let people know that publicly, but The Steelers have to get the running game going and it's not, it's not flashy to talk about to say, let's establish the running game. Let's win the turnover battle. Let's play stout defense, but that can win you a lot of games. And when you're talking about when the margins are razor thin in the NFL compared to the college game, that's one facet to help the Steelers achieve that of to get better on offense Naji Harrison especially especially Chris long term if he wants to get paid if he wants to stay in the Steelers uniform it's a big season for him in year 3
0: It's a huge season. I mean, we just saw Saquon Barkley just got a deal finally after that. And that's Saquon Barkley. What are we talking about here? Like there's running backs are having a hard time getting paid in the NFL. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. And Najee Harris has also been very vocal about him, not liking how that has gone. And so it is going to be a bit of a a clash. I think when his fifth year option is up, is up for consideration and uh, the Steelers have to make that call. But I'll, I'll say this about Najee. One thing he definitely was hurt. Like I remember seeing him in training camp and when he got hurt last year, and then he was like, he was trying to be every much the leader that he wanted to be in training camp, but he couldn't cause he just wasn't a hundred percent. And then you're right. He wasn't, uh you know, hitting the holes the right way. But also I think on top of having a steel plate in his shoe, which is what he, I was right there when he told us that like after like the midway point of the season. um, But also, he didn't trust his offensive line, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, why Why he was- would he, Chris? I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's
1: a no, reason yeah. why you get a lot of fresh blood in uh, Isaac Sayamalu why you draft Broderick mm-hmm. Jones. But please continue, because that, that is another point of all this. is not to put all the blame on Najee Harris, but look, I, I don't think it's a hyperbole to say that the Steelers had a bottom half of the offensive line, and honestly, probably one of the 10 worst in the NFL. But yeah, that's just my I'll- two
0: cents worth. I I agree, uh, but I also think that offensive line came together a good bit in the last, mm-hmm. like, six to eight weeks of the season, and then when they did, you saw Najee Harris be like, all right, I got holes now, and that was something he even kind of pointed out, he was like, y'all watching the games, like, I'm getting hit in two yards in the backfield on, on average. Like he's, he, he wasn't getting as any opportunities. Najee Harris. And you brought up like, he doesn't have top end speed. And I agree, but neither did Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell only had a couple like really, really long, long runs in his career. And if, and when he did, it was because the offensive line the Steelers had back then was just killing people with Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro and Marcus Gilbert, Ramon Foster, villain, the wave Kel Beach. They, 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 they had guys on guys on guys They're They're sixth and seventh offensive linemen. We're, we're going in free agency for like $50 million contracts tracks like Chris Hubbard and and Kelvin Beachum so I I think it was a different time but Najee Harris can very much be the type of back that Le'Veon Bell was even I think in the receiving game I think Najee Harris that's a skill that the Steelers need to work into the offense more another pressure to add on to Matt Canada but Najee Harris to me he is going to be a much better running back this year and I think that he's another guy that you can kind of bet on and say like you know I haven't looked at his at his future bets as far as what he's projected to have yards wise but if he's if he's a, if it's a 1200 yards, I'd go, I'd take the over. I think that he is a guy that, that can get that kind of yards this year. I think they'll lean on him that much. And I mean, the last two seasons, he's there's 17 games and he's had 17 starts. He's been, he's been yeah. pretty du- durable even with dealing with the injuries that he's dealt with. And I think he recognized that the guy is also in impeccable shape. Like one thing, it's funny. Mike Tomlin sometimes doesn't tell us everything as the media, but he'll tell other people. And I, I still cover University of Pittsburgh and I was covering the basketball team when Jeff Capel pit basketball. It's crazy how like sometimes things work like this. But he was just like, you know, I got to visit the Steelers facility and like. And, like, he was – I was asking, like, why Why is Najee Harris so special? And he and Mike Thomas said because that kid's here every morning at, like, 6 a.m. And he's grinding and he's working and he still is right now. Like, like even as he's entering his third year, he has not let up on the work ethic that's built him up. To be who he was, and or he who he he has been in his career, and I think that he is going to you're going to you're going to see that jump in production with Siu with Broderick Jones, and also just with the coalescing of this offensive line. Like like you were saying, they were terrible in the first half of the season; they were getting obliterated. But in that second half of the season, they figured out some things. James Daniels, Mason Cole, they got people on the same page, and now this year, I think they'll be much more on the same page. They've got some some upgrades in the talent that's on the offensive line, and also you have a quarterback knows how to, how to work with them a little bit more, when to, when to switch out of different calls, who has a little bit more control of the offense, not a whole lot, still going to be on Matt Canada. uh, I think trying to limit how much risk the offense takes so that the defense can still win the games, but all that will lead to more consistent running the ball. And that'll be a huge key for the Steelers in 2023. One
1: thing I'd like to see Matt Canada do is use Najee Harris out of the backfield. I believe Mm -hmm. he's demonstrated the ability to showcase his hands. I think he's a pretty good pass blocker as well. Uh, So using that facet of his game, and if I'm Najee Harris's agent or an agent for another running back, I'm saying if I'm a do-it-all back, I I think I would market my client as this is now positionless football. Think about how the 49ers use Christian McCaffrey, where they can motion him into the slot. Think about how the 49ers use Debo Samuel as a wingback. Yeah. He's not a yeah. receiver. He's not a running back. He's a wingback. So I kind of think about it, how we play positionless basketball now, where yeah. you know Nikola Jokic is your de facto point guard for the Nuggets, even though he's a center. I think we might be heading that way in football, and it's more so about creating opportunities in one-on-one matchups where your skill position players can take advantage that's how I would market it
0: no I, I agree because I also think you're coming you're co- it's not completely positionless but defense there are starting to be those mergeable positions where the you're hybrid. a linebacker. right you're, you're you're are you a linebacker are you a safety are you a slot corner there's a lot of there's a, those guys that can play those intermediate positions in the middle part of the field they are important they are so important in today's game. Now they don't make the biggest money all the time, but if you're elite at that spot, you get paid. Look at Roquan Smith yeah. with the Ravens. Um but no, absolutely. On offense, it's a similar thing where if you can be multi-talented, you increase your value by so much. And that's where Najee Harris I think wants to prove. That's what Le'Veon Bell was trying to prove back in like the tw- in, in the mid to late yes. 2010s. That's why he when he was like I should get paid like a running back at a wide receiver. He knew what it was. And that's the thing. He just took his swing and he missed by by t- are turning down the Steelers offer that they gave him and thinking that he can get more guaranteed money somewhere else. And he did initially from the Jets. But then, of course, taking a year off, he wasn't the same. And he was with the New York Jets. And then he realized, oh, wait, I, it, it benefited to be part of a great organization like the Steelers. And that's where his career kind of ended. But um, I, I think with Najee Harris, he knows that he needs to be. And, and that was something I even highlighted him coming out of Alabama. When he was allowed to run routes, he was good at it. He learned it. He got mm-hmm. sharper at it. He still was growing at it. But he that's something he's also bragged about. He's like, hey, I am so much smarter as a route runner than I was in college. So, like, the parts of me that you saw, that was just the beginning of me understanding how to be effective in the pass game. I, I think that'll be something that Matt Canada has to consider adding to the offense. I know that they don't want to get too tricky because if they do, then they risk turning the ball over more. And I think that's the top priority of the Steelers offense. Don't turn the ball over, protect the football um, so that the defense isn't put in the rough spots and that their turnovers can just lead to more Steelers uh, successes. But I think Najee Harris, he'll be part of the passing game. I also think another guy to watch out for is a sneaky ad there. Connor Hayward. I watched that guy at Michigan State. We watched him last year as a rookie. I think they're going to add in not like a whole lot of formations. But uh, but but a lot of situations where I'm like in pinches, he'll be on the field he'll look like he's just a blocker and then he leaks out and he runs a really good route, makes a really good catch and yep. Kenny Pickett will develop a rapport with him. i think I think they've got a lot of special options that aren't your typical wide receiver type guys.
1: I'm gonna go full nerd on you here, Chris. Sure. I know that Derek Watt is no longer on the Steelers roster, mm-hmm. but I notice if you go over to the Steelers website, Connor Hayward is listed not just as a tight end anymore but also as a fullback so. Mm-hmm. Something that I've noticed where it's just like, hmm, you can use multiple tight end sets because that's now a position of depth for you. Yeah. And come out multiple tight end sets. If an opposing defense wants to put a bunch of DBs on the field, we're going to smash up and run the ball down your throat. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do vice versa, I think the Steelers have the tight ends now to say, we'll beat you in the passing game. If you put a, a bigger, slower opponent on them, the mismatch problem like this, to me, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on paper. There's a lot you can do offensively, but the sum has to equal its parts. If you're Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett, and really anyone on this dealer's offense, everyone is accountable there. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. And something I think what you'll see here now, I will say Monty Potterbaum, the guy that they signed to the fullback position, they're excited to see what he can do, but Mike Tomlin always says, I love multiples. If you could do multiples, I like, <laughs> he, he that, that, that's like his phrase for saying versatile. And, and like, I, I get it. But uh, but I, I think if Connor Hayward, if he shows that he can play the third or tight end spot while also, you know, being a guy who can play in the full, at the in the fullback role, that'll give so much flexibility to the Steelers. Like you said, I mean, imagine this. You come out with, let's say, Deontay Johnson, Pat Friermuth, Darnell Washington or Zach Gentry. And then you throw in Connor Hayward and you have Najee Harris. And at the start of the formation, you come out, but it, it's one guy out wide. You got Washington and Friarmouth yeah, at the time, at the each side of the formation, a tight end. But Connor Hayward's a fullback. Najee Harris is a tailback. So the defense will come, all right, we're sending out, you know, five linebackers. We're coming out yeah, heavy. We're, we're, in we're the bringing box. Exactly, we're loading up big, and then all of a sudden, Kenny Pickett steps out from under center, he's in the shotgun. Connor Hayward motions out, he's in the slot. Uh, Pat Firemuth bumps out, he's in the other, he's in in the X position. And now they're said, Wait, wait a second, wait, they're they're like four wide with like two tight ends there, and they still have Darnell Washington on the line of scrimmage, and Dodgy Harris is in the backfield. Okay, what are they doing here? That you're right, that can cause so many mismatches problems, but I also think it's gonna be it's gonna be out when it's called because there's gonna be times where. You can't live on that for an entire game, but you can pick at defenses and find weaknesses. And then I think also when they go into their lightning offense, they're no huddle and they're just like, Hey, we got the defense that we want out here. Let's run this a little bit. They'll get more opportunities to do that. They had to do that in pinches last year at the end of games when it was kind of just desperation mode. I think that's another thing to watch for in training camp is when they run those no huddle huddle sets and how they, they, they practice those. They'll want to do that more often to get the mismatches they want and let Kenny Pickett do what he does best. And to me, that's seeing the field and processing where the defense is not. Let's go to the line of scrimmage. It's a line of scrimmage game. Alex Highsmith
1: getting the contract extension. You touched on something earlier, Chris, where the Steelers are very loyal. They pay out their contracts, unlike other teams to where, I mean, look, what recent history shows us with Bud Dupree, he goes over to Tennessee. He gets the monster contract, but he doesn't see it through. He then has to sign with the Falcons this offseason for much less in the long run, whereas Highsmith maybe doesn't get as much as he would on the open market. But the fact that it's more than likely he'll see this through and he's going to be in a Steelers uniform for years to come pairing opposite TJ Watt. Now it's okay. Cam Hayward, who I fully expect to have a country club training camp to meaning when he's out there on the field, you know what to expect. I don't think like, like I've seen some stuff, Chris, where they've said, Oh, uh, Cam Hayward's fallen off. I don't think that's an unfair criticism because father time is undefeated, but he's still playing at a very, very high level. So, maintain Cam Hayward because your interior is the most important, but you've got two great defensive players off the edge. We know what TJ Watt can do. If Alex Highsmith's going to get one-on-one opportunities again, coming off a season where he has 14 and a half sacks, if he replicates that playing at almost a pro bowl level, that's what I expect from him this upcoming season. I'm very happy. What I'm calling the wrath of Khan has continued. Omar Khan has been very aggressive This offseason, and this was like the last thing that I thought he needed to get done. And for me at this standpoint, Chris, it's like, let's just get to week one, September the 10th healthy, because getting Alex Highsmith in his Steelers uniform for several years to come is only going to
0: help this team long term. No, I agree. I, I think that Alex Highsmith. I mean, I, I talked to Alex a lot in the locker room and after during and after practices and like, he's made it very clear, like, Hey, there's no hangups. It's just about time and just when this is going to get done. There was very, there was a lot of confidence on both sides that they would be able to come to a de- to an agreement and make a deal that will work. And if you look at Alex Highsmith's contract, it's pretty decent for the Steelers now, and it's also great for him. He's getting paid like, like you said, he's not getting paid. You know, he's he's not getting paid. You know, super duper money. Uh, but he he becomes a top ten paid edge rusher in the NFL. Though the way that that goes, that'll last like a year before like five other edge rushers get paid. You know,
1: <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's just how, it's, it's just how the, the market works, the right? Like
0: like at one point, Mahomes was the most paid quarterback. Then it was the next guy. Then with Joe Burrow contract coming up, that's gonna reset it. And then after it's him, it'll be, be- sixty. Right, right. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's just gonna keep going up and up until it hits like the, a ceiling, and then we'll see, you know, how the NFL responds to that. But with Alex Highsmith you look at his at his cap numbers here he, he's still like four-ish, four-ish million dollars four and a half million dollars this year in 2023 that jumped up to the 13.9 next next year 16.2 the after that 17 and 18 years after that the Steelers will be moving that money around they give themselves the normal uh freedom to move around by uh kind of lowering the guaranteed money as he goes throughout the rest of this contract but how the Steelers work like you said you do buy them. They do buy you. And, and like TJ Watt, you know, he's getting paid. He's getting paid and he's having money moved down the line. Like, hey, we're going to just take some of your guaranteed money and push it over here a little bit so we can open up more salary cap space this year. I fully anticipate after this season, when they sign Alex Highsmith next season, you're going to see a, a, a sort of restructuring of his contract to move around some of his money so that they can create yeah. more space next year in the signings that they'll want to do to either keep players or make other moves, things like that. Um, But Alex Highsmith, I think what you're on the verge here with the Steelers is you have now kind of locked yourself in for the next four years. You have him and TJ Watt with a chance to be in their primes, the best edge rushing duo in the NFL for multiple seasons. And you have that while having the best safety in the NFL and make Fitzpatrick, a really good one-two punch in Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi with young guys behind them who I think the Steelers should have a lot of confidence in, in Keanu Benton, their recent rookie. And of course, DeMarvin Leal, who I thought had a really good rookie season when he was healthy. So I think this defense is in a really good spot to grow from here. And uh, if you look at the uh, if you if you look at how the how uh, uh, Highsmith's contract impacts the the, St- the Steelers. Yeah, if you look at 2024 on over dot com, it's currently it'll currently sit at like, oh, they only have six hundred and fifty four thousand dollars in cap space. That's not good. But as soon as you look down the list, you see, oh, wait a second. Allen Robinson will be an eleven million dollar cap hit and you can save ten million dollars by letting him go. Mm-hmm. That's probably what's going to happen there, or if he has a great year with Kenny Pickett, they'll just reduce that number, that number somehow, and then they'll look at other guys like Chikuma for Deontay Johnson, James Daniels, guys who they can maybe move some money around and say like, hey, can we give you an extension? Can we can we move some money down the line, or we, do we look to other options there? But I think that there's there, there's a lot of space the Steelers have to make moves, and Omar Khan, you're right, he is he's on a warpath this this off season to get things right. And to put the Steelers on a path where they'll be able to succeed with Kenny Pickett and kind of strike during this rookie contract window that we've seen a lot of teams like the Bengals, like the Eagles, try to take advantage of while they have their quarterbacks on a lower contract. Several th- several great points there with Omar
1: Khan as well. It's getting depth at each position and creating healthy mm-hmm. competition within the Steelers organization. Uh, you know, I used to look at it when I first started covering the Steelers in 2019, where it's like oh my gosh, I'm freaking out about the salary cap and looking at overthecap.com and uh, other organizations might see it as a a deterrent. Omar Khan, who has been the money man for the Steelers for like 20 years now. uh, It's just whose contract do we need to restructure to free up money to go after who we need to get? He's proven that time and time and time again, uh, getting Minka Fitzpatrick extension done, getting TJ Watts extension done, Uh, I I could go through the list of several other examples in in recent years. Um, He and TJ Watt racing to the quarterback, how exciting that's going to be where I thought Highsmith did a really nice job of playing off Watt when Watt's able to apply initial pressure. Bud Dupree was very good at this too. Okay, Watt makes the quarterback escape the rush the first move. I can then anticipate what the quarterback's (laughs) going to do Off of Watt's action, or if Mm -hmm. Watt's getting double or triple teamed, I'm getting a one on one. It's my time to eat. And I look at it, there's an old slogan, Chris, that the sideline tells the story. When Alex Highsmith gets his contract extension, and TJ Watt's one of the first people to congratulate him on social media, I, I don't think that's a coincidence either. And so to see that rapport among the teammates is something that's really, really special and how that plays out on the field is what we should
0: be even more excited about. I think you should be excited about there. Um I think part of it too is people don't people don't always see this cuz uh, but I think if you look closely in training camp don't always just just watch what's happening on the field look at certain players and how they what they're doing when they come off the field. And one thing that you'll yes. see a lot with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, as soon as the first team defense is off the field, they'll go somewhere, and sometimes they'll get some water, sometimes they'll just, they'll just rest, but there's plenty of times you see them, and they'll be like, they'd be like they're fighting in karate, they're like, Touch they're working all these hand moves against each other, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and they just work on it, and they work on it, and they, work, and they get sharper for it, and like, it's just, it's like, it's just natural to them, where they like, Alex Highsmith's like, hey, can I work with you, and they like, yep, now they don't even talk about it, they just do it, and it's something that I've seen. Alex Highsmith had like a really good spin move when he came to the Steelers. Like that was like his silky smooth, Chris. Yeah, he it, it was, and that was just something you, you could see at Charlotte. there was a game where he had against Clemson in his last year, where like, you know, where it was just like even i I'm blow, I'm blanking on the on on clemson's head coach Dave dabo, sweeney. dabo he was, sweeney he was yeah. like that guy is ridiculous and, and that was the move that he had but now he has a rip move he has a swim move mm-hmm. he can bull rush you he can and he can play off of each he's learned how and that's the thing part of what's was so great about the hand technique and positional technique uh, of edge rushers is when you can make the start of every move look similar to another move or similar to each mm-hmm. other it makes it so hard for the offensive tackle to sit on one move because if I'm dropping back into my pass set and I'm waiting for your hands to make contact with me, but I think it's a rip move, but wait a minute. Oh, it's a swip. Oh, wait, I've mispositioned myself. That's the advantage that, that you get there. And that's one thing that the Steelers work on a lot. Um, So you're right. But the one, the factor of TJ Watt getting there first can help Alex Highsmith, but also like you said, wait, when your job is like as, as a pass rush unit you want to create chaos you want to create confusion make the offensive line miscommunicate because they're because uh, they'll overcompensate for oh man we got to make sure T.J. Watt isn't coming over this way and he's not doing this and when they do that sometimes they'll leave the gap wide open or a gap wide open and then it might not be Alex Highsmith it might be Cam Hayward it might be Keanu Bennett it might be DeMarvin Leal it might be Larry Gojo it might be anybody and I think that's the, the, the fact that mm-hmm. the Steelers have right here is that they have so many guys in their, in their front four, front seven, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, who can get after the quarterback win on one-on-one opportunities and some even stymy double team opportunities to clear up other guys. So they're in a great position. Yeah. Uh, I think again, the contract's awesome for Alex Highsmith and, They're there. I think this is going to be a year where you see the Steelers get back on top as far as sack production. Remember, they had five straight years of leading the NFL in sacks. Nobody had ever done that. Last year was the first year that they stopped doing that. T.J. Watt getting hurt. That was a big part of it. But um, this year, I think they'll get right back up there and might even uh, might even eclipse the 60 sack mark, which they have never done as a franchise. The interior is what's most important to me there.
1: And that's where keeping Cam Hayward healthy. Cause when Cam's out there and I remember a few seasons back, he's chasing Justin Herbert down 40 yards down the field. Show me another defensive lineman that does that point blank period. So that's why for me, it's like keeping him healthy because he's going to go all out there when he's between the lines. So if you're DeMarvin Leal, Larry Ogunjobi, who's actually going into this season healthy, that wasn't the case a year ago. And he still played at a pretty high level. That's what excites me. And if you're Keanu Benton, if you're DeMarvin Leal, if you're Isaiah Loudermilk, have that opportunity where you can carve out a role for yourself in saying, hey, Ken, we'll give you a blow. We'll give you a play. We'll give you a series to where when you need, we need you out there in the fourth quarter. We need you in November, December, January. You're fresh, ready to go and playing your best football. Uh, We do need to go to the offensive line. And this is a very important question I have because Broderick Jones, the enemy of my enemy is a friend in, trading up to number 14 to get him from the Patriots. It prevents the jets from drafting Broderick Jones at 15, very savvy move by Omar Khan. But what I want to ask you, Chris is when does Broderick Jones start? Because I'm just looking at the schedule, right? 49ers week one, Nick Bosa, they move him around, but Nick Bosa against a rookie. That's going to be tough for any opposing tackle, let alone a rookie. Then week two, miles Garrett. We know he could do week three. You've got Max Crosby. Uh, so when do you see Broderick Jones start? Do you want to see how the competition plays out with Dan Moore in training camp? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how do you see this shaking out at the left
0: tackle position for the Steelers, at least early on this season? Well, Dan Moore Jr. will come in as the first offensive tackle on the left side okay. uh, to start training camp. There's no doubt about that. Isaac Siamalo has taken the left guard position, but um Moore's going to get the chance to defend his spot. I think what's going to tell for for Broderick Jones is when they start putting him in the one-on-one situations with Watt, Highsmith, Golden, uh, and, and Herbig, how does he bounce back from his losses? Because, like, Dan Moore Jr., if anyone remembers Steelers training camp when Dan Moore Jr. was a rookie, it was rough. He was getting ragdolled. It was just, I mean, Alex Highsmith was beating him up and down the field. But he hung in there, and they kind of had no other option at left tackle, so they, yep. so he kind of he went out there and improved as a rookie. His second year, he started to step up a little bit. Wasn't dominating, wasn't winning all the time, or I even say most of the time, but you saw him be better against, against Alex Highsmith on, on that side of the ball what has to happen with broderick jones is he need, we need to see that kind of prog- progress in this training camp if you see that kind mm-hmm. of progress in this training camp doesn't doesn't necessarily have to happen for him to be have a great career with the steelers but if you want to see him start week 1 he needs to kind of kind of have have that rough day or two where he gets beat up a bit And then all of a sudden, you start seeing him fight back a little bit, winning more more competitions when they're doing their one-on-one drills with some of those edge rushers. And if he can win some with Alex Highsmith, maybe not TJ Watt, but if he can win some with Highsmith and Golden, I think the Steelers will be like, all right, we're going to give you some shots out here. I, I truly believe that the difference will be as long as Broderick Jones can make the margin between him and Dan Moore Jr. very minuscule. I think the Steelers was like, all right, Broderick, you get out there. I truly think the long-term play here for the Steelers is they want Dan Moore Jr. to be a swing tackle. He worked at both positions uh, in, in, in OTAs and minicamp. He even confirmed that to us in the locker room. I think the long-term play is Broderick Jones takes over left tackle, and then after this year, if Jakuma Korfor hasn't become a dominant right tackle, th- with his $13 million cap hit and almost $9 million you can save it, you know, from letting him go or trading him somewhere else, they might be like, hey, Dan, you're our new right tackle, and move him over there, which I think, I've thought all along, Dan Moore is much more of a right tackle. He's more physical. He's more aggressive and going after and getting guys. He's less of a, of a passive pass protector the way that they're hoping Broderick Jones can be, and that's where I think the long-term play is here. So I don't know if Broderick Jones starts week one. He needs to be able to, again kind of lose some of those battles and then bounce back against the Steelers top edge rushers in camp. And if he does that, I think he puts himself on that path to start week one. But if he doesn't, you'll see Dan Moore, I'd say for the first month or so. And then similarly to Kenny Pickett, eventually they'll work Broderick Jones in there. They didn't draft him to sit on the bench for a year. They drafted him to see him, to see him work just depends on how he shows up this year in training camp. You answered the question I was going to ask is what happens to Dan Moore
1: junior when Broderick Jones eventually takes over that position so well done there chris thank you and yeah i uh the one concern i have with this rookie class is we're so excited about it because i've said this too is like we would have been cool had the steelers drafted joey porter jr at 17 yeah like just given the ties with his dad and what we expect from him and they end up getting him at 32 a much better value but I, you know, my concern is I, I thought last year's rookie class played pretty well. I'm hoping that we don't put too high of expectations early on for this rookie class specifically because they are still rookie players. But look, it's almost like you get two first round picks in one because I know it's the 32nd pick, which was technically uh, a second round pick. Normally, that's a first round pick. And again, you get a player who, all Steelers, all Steelers fans would have been fine if they would have not made even made a trade and said, hey, we're going to take Joey Porter Jr. at 17. That goes back to getting great value if you're Omar Khan because you get the same player who you would have otherwise gotten uh, almost a half round later. And so, again, I, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of, like, I don't want to have too high of expectations for this rookie class. But who do you think among the rookie class contributes
0: most this season Chris hmm. good question contributes the most I actually think it will be Joey Porter jr simply because mm-hmm. I think the Steelers are going to have a lot of packages and the, with their secondary where he's going to be on the outside they'll move Patrick Peterson to the slot on certain situations or they let him kind of float around and then that'll allow for Joey Porter jr to be like hey your job take away this boundary no one, no one gets behind you. You lock down this guy. You're good. And I think that if he's able to do that, and he's able to give you two, three interceptions, while well, it's Fitzpatrick's giving you five, Patrick Peterson's giving you four, Levi Wallace's giving you four, and then those are all numbers that those guys did just last year. Patrick Peterson actually had five interceptions last year, um, and with a defense that didn't have the kind of pass rush capabilities the Steelers do this year, um, I, I think Joey Porter Jr. could be, be a huge impact, especially because with his size and his speed. Uh, if he's able to lock in in training camp, I, I think he could give the Steelers so much important snaps, so or so many important snaps on the outside, taking away certain wide receivers. Maybe not number ones, but if he can take away the number two guy on most teams, like when they're going up against the Bengals, if he can just keep T Higgins from exploding on that side on his side of the field Mm -hmm. while the Steelers work on just neutralizing Jamar Chase it takes away a huge part of that Bengals offense and then you're going up against other teams this year that 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 we're we're talking about that they'll face I think the Steelers can if he can just do that take away the second or third guy or receiving option on the field this year he'll be such a huge impact because then the Steelers can say all right you know what we're keen we're keying up to stop the number one guy over here. They did that a lot last year. Like yeah. when they faced the Raiders and Devontae Adams, they had a whole scheme. It was funny. I asked, uh I asked Minka Fitzpatrick and uh DeMonte KZ this, if they did the same thing to Adams that they did to another receiver that year. And they were like, they looked at, they looked at me and they started to talk and they looked at each other. Like, no, we're not talking about that. And so, like I was like, they—they they were like, yeah, we're—we're, we're, you know, you don't get that information. But at the same time, there are plans that they have in place, and, and I think it's the way that they shadow guys, the way they discover their shadows, the way they, they disguise their, uh, they uh, the way they they disguise their double teams, those are all factors the Steelers, uh, taking to play here. And if Joey Porter Jr. can factor into that plan, he will. You will see a huge on-field boost. But do not sleep on Broderick Jones or for Keanu Benton or Keanu mm-hmm. Benton for that matter.
1: You alluded to it to a little bit with the other teams in the division. We know the trio in Cincinnati, the Ravens, obviously Mark Andrews, but OBJ, Nelson Aguilar, Zay Flowers, and then don't sleep on Amari Cooper, one of the best route runners in the NFL as well. So how do you neutralize prolific offensive playmakers within your own division? And that's why drafting Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice Jr. is so important I think Mike Tomlin called them avatar corners. So I can't wait to see what Joey Porter can do as well, because this is someone who grew up in the Steelers organization, going to Penn state, not too far Mm -hmm. away in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, That storyline writes itself and what he can do for the Steelers is going to be phenomenal to watch. Uh, Chris, I want to leave you with this. Uh, With training camp starting this week, whether it's, um, training camp whether it's being in the locker room do you have a story that is your favorite to tell from covering the pittsburgh steelers whether that's being in a locker room for after a game or during training camp uh, that starts here this week
0: my favorite locker room story i gotta think about that because i got quite a few where just random things happen funny things that happen with me um like i'll talk about the Steelers lost a game to the – when they lost to the Bears in 2017, it was like my first, like, come like like welcome to the NFL moment because I was just – that was my first, like, years, my first road game that I ever covered in a locker room. And I went up to – I wanted to talk, to talk to the defense about what they needed to do to win that game because they lost that game late. And um, I went up to Mike Mitchell, and he was like, I'm not talking. And I was like, okay, Mike, but, like, I just want to ask you one question. He said, I'm not talking. Talking and Mike Mitchell, he was just when he said he wasn't talking, he wasn't talking. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say this: Cam Hayward is the complete opposite. Like walk, I remember walking up to him after that game, and he was furious about about that game for multiple reasons outside of just the game itself, because that was also the the nueva Let me stand and and salute the flag while we agreed not to do that so that we didn't draw attention to ourselves. Game. Um, but Cam Hayward, like when you when I walked up to him, he was just his his hands were clenched and they were he was just he was just like you he had that face and i was just like uh do i want to talk to this six foot five man who could beat the crap out of me right now and he looks like he would beat the crap out of me right now walked up to him and i was like hey cam can i talk to you for a second he was just like sure And then he was perfectly professional and he breathed out all of that anger, all that frustration. And that's part of why Cam Hayward is like the man every year. He's funny. He's relatable. He's adorable when you're talking to him and he's a friend to so many people and everyone loves him. But when he's on that field, he's killing people. And he, and, and he, and he also, he's very good at needling. Like a lot of people don't realize, like you talked about Cam Hayward, a country club pass at the, at, at the training camp. He is going to be picking fights because he does
1: every year.
0: Here's what I mean by that too, though.
1: The Steelers need to protect him from himself because when he's between the lines, like again, just go back and watch the Chargers clip. I can't recall a defensive tackle chasing down an opposing skill position player, a quarterback 40 yards down the field, maybe on an interception return, Chris, but on just like your run of the mill play. I don't know if I've ever seen that before in my years of watching football. I'm sure it's happened at some point, but that's rare. That's rare. So when I say the country club training camp, if you're the Steelers, be like, Cam, take the day. We know what you can do when you're on the field. We need you healthy and ready to go. The Steelers need to protect him from himself
0: because when he's on the field, I know what to expect, Chris. No, I I, I agree. He sets such a tone as a leader, as a player. And I, I really think that that's something they need to capitalize on the next year. I mean, there was a reason why when Kenny Pickett was drafted, Cam Hayward said, yeah, his locker's next to mine. And he, and like, he still does. Like sometimes like we'll go, like the first time when we, when we interviewed K- Kenny Pickett, uh, Cam Hayward kind of like snuck up right behind him and was just staring at him the whole time. Like, don't say that wrong. Don't say that wrong. But it was like his way of less like messing with him. But now even as Kenny Pickett's a veteran, Cam Hayward still kind of messes with him sometimes kind of pokes him a little bit, makes jokes in the background to kind of mess. And that's just who Cam Hayward is. He wants to cultivate the right type of, you know there's got to be an antagonism between the defense and the offense because the defense wants to push the offense and vice versa, but also camaraderie in the sense that hey, we all are trying to get on the same page here, we all want to make sure we're out there winning so that this team is successful when games start playing in, in September. So uh Cam Hayward, absolute leader, absolute person. And, and I, there's man, there's so many different times where like I've had like a really positive interaction with Cam. Also, funny times where like one time the Steelers were in the locker room, it was like OTAs last year. And like, they were playing a card game. We were just all kind of bored, just standing around because none of the players were talking yet. And I was like, what card game is this? And, and Cam Hayward was like, don't ask me that question. <laughs> like, so but like he'll, he'll he'll have those funny moments, even when he's off camera, but Cam Hayward, that's, that's why he's Mr. Steeler for so many people out there.
1: I hope that they call it the standard. I hope that tradition carries on. I feel like he's one of the, the old guard. I know he's like the longest tenured Steeler right now mm-hmm. too, but it's just like, I hope that that tradition. And I mean, they're, they're going to Latrobe and St. Vincent college which they've done for more than five decades. Now. I hope that tradition carries on and he can bring that to this next group of Steelers to where, yeah, you want the young, uh, the rookie players, the young skill position players to develop, whether it's George Pickens or what Calvin Austin can do. And essentially, what will be his rookie year due to it due to injuries? Whether it's Najee Harris, whether it's Kenny Pickett, but I hope that that tradition of excellence and that tradition of not just getting to the playoffs but saying let's win playoff games and we're going to be measured by hoisting Lombardi's. I think he carries that tradition and having a veteran like him in the locker room is so important. I think that's why bringing Patrick Peterson is really important because look, if I'm Joey Porter Jr. or Corey Trice Jr., I'm trying to pick the brain of Patrick Peterson and Mika Fitzpatrick two players who have been pro bowlers and not just pro bowlers, all pro players and trying to learn as much as I can to develop my own career to where, you know, Troy Polamalu said it during his hall of fame speech where it's just like what the tradition is, is that institutional knowledge of what it is to be a pro playing at a high level is carried down even to the next generation of the player. Who's inevitably going to replace you as well. Cam
0: Hayward embodies that Chris. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's who he is. And that's what they need. They need, they need guys like that. And they also need him to pass it down. Because I think one thing that you're seeing right now with Mike Tom, when we talked to him, Mike Tom generally is is like, it's like, like, it's just straightforward. I just, I I get my points across. And like, he's a happy person because he loves his job. But this year there's been a more pep in his step. I think part of it is he knows he has the older leaders and he has a lot of young guys who can become older leaders. And I think that that's Cam Hayward's maybe biggest objective right now is Beyond just playing great, beyond just bringing all-pro defensive tackle, make sure that there were other leaders that you cultivate, so that when you do retire, the Steelers have flag bearers. Because I think that was the biggest thing they missed in their tw- in their to their transition from the late 2000s to the mid 2010s, when they kind of were able to go through their couple of eight and eight seasons was. They didn't have James Ferriers and Troy Polamalus and guys that just set a tone that everyone followed in the locker. They had talented guys. Le'Veon Bell, talented. Antonio Brown, talented as all get out. Even Ben Roethlisberger, I think that they, they didn't have the guys who everyone rallied around all the time and that kind of pushed everyone. And Ike, who you have on the show, he's talked about how like they, they used to like watch Monday Night Football together. They'd meet up at the same house, and they would just just go watch football, enjoy it together. And that was part of the culture of that team. I think Cam Hayward has worked to reestablish that, but part of reestablishing it is getting younger guys to buy in. I think Kenny Pickett buys in. I think uh, Najee Harris buys in. And I think Roderick Jones might, might will, will, will buy in. I think Pat Fryman is on that list. And Baker Fitzpatrick already has. TJ Watt already has. Alex Highsmith already has. It's continuing that. So that they have a, mul- a, a so many options for leaders and guys who are charismatic you know, morale contributors in the locker room that there isn't any void of leadership, even when two or three guys go down.
1: We're obviously going to be a bit homerish. I know this is a Steelers show, but I've got the Steelers arriving. Like to me, this is the year where they're a year early and everyone's like, whoa, are they actually contenders? So not quite Super Bowl level, but then next season would be the year where it's like this team (laughs) is poised to, to get number seven. That, that's where I'm at, Chris. That's where I'm at. But listen, man, we've been going for 52 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to plug anything that you need to with your coverage. Uh, you've been very, very gracious with your time, but I want to give you the floor. If there's anything that you would like to
0: plug that you're working on, Chris. Thank you. Just come just come check out my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I cover all things University of Pittsburgh sports, so Pitt football training camp, that's starting up. If you want to see how the Panthers are looking for next year and what players they might send into the NFL draft coming up, we'll be at training camp with my partner Noah Hiles and Abby Schnabel. We'll be covering that there. You can also check out the North Shore Drive podcast we do with the Post-Gazette. We'll be in training camp all season long, just like I will be for Locked On Steelers. Uh, you can find all of that a right right uh, you know, under my twitter and instagram accounts at carter critiques you follow that you'll get all of my content just push it pushing it out as as it is i work lots of jobs so there's lots of content so yeah. you'll you'll get all of that there but if you love everything steelers pit football pit basketball nfl i'm there i'll be doing it mark thanks so much for having me man this is a great conversation chris we will leave your social
1: media information in the show notes so please check him out there and if you enjoyed this conversation too Please just give us a thank you as well. It lets us know that we're doing a great job. If you have questions for us too, leave those in the comments. We'll do our best to answer them. But I'll go ahead and sign off for the both of us. For Chris Carter, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks so much for watching the Believe in Steeler show. Enjoy the start of training camp football season. Almost here. See you next time. Take care. So long, everybody.